Good morning and welcome to Grace Point Live, April 26, 2020. If you remember back in March, we started our first Facebook Live post ever. We did that on March 22nd, which was, again, this is not our church service. Uh, you don't see our regular worship team and you don't see anything that's happening during that time in the opening and then fellowship and friendship. This is just Facebook Live. This is not the church service. Nor can we duplicate it at this point because remember the church is more than me. It's more than, uh, it's more than me speaking. It's all of us together. It's the whole group of us that gather together with a full worship team, praise band. It's powerful. Uh, we can't duplicate that and at this time, According to CDC, we're not allowed to duplicate that. And uh, so I'm just, I'm just saying that to say what's happening. But if you remember back on March 22nd when I first started Facebook Live, the Lord, the Lord God himself gave me a scripture that he said that we should concentrate on and think about as we are going through this period in, uh, in, this, in this time of uh, 2020. And the, the scripture that he gave me was Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41 out of the uh, New King James. I'm going to read that to you uh, this morning. And then I'm just going to do a little bit of a way of reminder, of remembrance, on how important it is for us to remember these words that the Lord gave us. Now remember, these are the words of Jesus that he gave to us, I believe, for this time that we're going through. And I believe it's a good thing to remember. In Mark chapter 4, verse 35, in the New King James, it says, On the same day... When evening had come, Jesus said to them, let us cross over to the other side. I believe those words, those, those few words that he says there, let us cross over to the other side, are, are perfect for what we're going through today. And I'll share more about that even as we go through our, our time together in this next hour that we have together. But it's incredible because I believe the Lord prophesies in a, in, a, in a way as he's talking to his disciples on what they're going to do next. And then in verse 36, he says, Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and the other little boats were also with him. So it was just wasn't one boat. There was many boats. And then in verse 37, And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling with water. But verse 38 says, but he was in the stern. Jesus was in the back of the boat, literally asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, teacher, not Jesus, not master, not creator, but teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And verse 39 says, then he arose and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. If you're just joining us again, if you're just joining our Facebook Live post for Grace Point today, uh, we're in Mark 4, verses 35 through 41, which I believe are important scriptures for us to focus on during this time of pandemic, or what we're going through at this time. But God is at work. And remember what Scripture says in Romans 8.28, all things work together for good. God is going to bring something ex excellent and good out of this period that we are going through as believers in Christ. I'd like to say, too, that I, I encourage every believer in Christ 
to start a, a watch party, to do a Facebook Live, just like I'm doing. Get Open your Bible, ask the Lord to give you words to say, it, even if it's five or ten minutes. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't even have to be five minutes. But I think we should fill the airways of Facebook Live with the good news of Jesus Christ. I mean, share good news. People today who do not know Jesus are suffering from fear and, and, and anxiety and depression because they don't know what's going on. But we have hope in Christ. We have an anchor for our soul. God gives us this hope. But then he says, and so let me finish this. Peace be still, it says in verse 39 of Mark 4, And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now what's incredible about this is, you know, this is the last half of chapter 4. When they get on the other side, or I'm not going to talk about this today, but boy, I'm sure tempted. But uh, the first thing they do is they meet a demon-possessed man who Jesus, of course, heals, and it changes the whole complexity of the city. They had, a, they had a purpose for crossing over to the other side. After Jesus did what he had to do in chapter 5 of Mark, they go back to where they were so that Jesus continue on his ministry. But let me talk to you a little bit about this in my opening uh, today. But Jesus said, let us go under the, over to the other side. The question that comes to my mind is this. I mean, did they believe his words? Jesus, I'm talking about Jesus here. Did they believe his words? I, I want you to know, not on your life. Jesus, in their presence, yes. They could see him the whole time. So they're going across to the other side. And the language that you hear here is a language which I believe that God is doing in the church today. It's the language of transition. I mean, God is moving the church into what I believe is a new era, where we begin to focus less on just being a church on the block, a church on the corner, but we start seeing the whole world as our ministry, all the nations. We start seeing everything that's happening around us. And so transitions literally can make our heads swim with irrational thoughts. But as they were in the boat in the throngs of tragedy, they were only in a transition. And let me say that when we are in transition, it is quite natural for us to want to run, forgetting what God, that God is leading us, and that God is not always rescuing us out of the crisis, but rather through our crisis. See, the word crisis is, is the Hebrew word mashber, which is a word used for a birth stool, a seed upon which a woman in ancient times would give birth to a new life. And so I really believe in the midst of this crisis that we're in, God is giving birth to her, his church of, of a new era, of a new life that we can't see right now. And I, I know that, Molly, I'm so excited about Mason being born in 2020 because God's going to use the births of 2020 to do extraordinary things beyond anything that we can ever understand. But crisis, a crisis will either crush you or create a new you. Disorientation, I believe sometimes, is God's way of reorienting, reorienting us. Remember what Jesus said again before he got into the boat. He says, let us cross over to the other side. See, though the boat was filling with water, it was still afloat. An entire sea is unable to sink a boat unless the sea gets inside the boat. So when we allow the things on the outside, the circumstances, the pandemic, the rules, the things that we're going through right now, when we allow the things on the outside of us 
to get on the inside of us, we too will begin to sink. See, the real question to ask at this point is, who is asleep and who is awake? But this was their wake-up call. These disciples had a wake-up call, not his, to properly perceive the perils of transition. This storm had no effect on Jesus because he had no storm within. When the storm was raging, what was Jesus doing? He was sleeping, sound asleep on a pillow. Where did he go? Did he go to the bow or did he go to the stern? How many know that if you're in a boat in a, in a bad storm, you know, the stern is the, the place where the water comes in the fastest. If you want to be safe, you run to the bow. But Jesus was still sleeping on the pillow. And when we panic while in transition, we will always come to wrong conclusions about God's intentions. And I hope my next statement doesn't throw another wrench into your belief system, but it could. See, worshiping Jesus is always easier than following him or obeying his words or his commands or just when he says to rest or trust in him. Now, there's no risk usually in worship. I mean, no change or no transitioning. Yet the words, the words in the Bible that we receive about these things, when we read about Apostle Paul in Corinthians, you find out that their lives, Paul's life, <clears throat> was always threatened because they followed Jesus. They spoke in his name and were out on a mission for him using his name. And all the apostles except one were martyred for their involvement with Christ. And these deaths for self are transitions and opportunities to experience true biblical transformation. For we must be willing to get rid of the life we planned so as to have the life that is waiting for us in Christ. In Luke 9.62 in the New King James, Jesus spoke these words. He said, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. See, Jesus, while he was in the boat, and the boat was, you know, facing a storm, in the midst of a storm, Jesus had no problem with focus, for he said he only did what he saw the Father doing. And so that's an important point for us today. That's my opening. That's my appetizer for, for this teaching or where I'm going. But I'd like to move into a worship segment. I took some scriptures out of Psalms 2 through 100, and I, I used the uh, message translation. But I, I'd like to just say, this is, my, this is our worship on Facebook Live. It's not like church life. You know, church at church, we'd have Mike Griffin or Angie or Reed or Leah or Anna leading us in worship with a full worship team, and we'd be so excited just to be in that atmosphere. And I don't know about you, but I'm expecting it to all happen again. But why we're doing this, I want to just give you some thoughts out of the book of Psalms in the Message Bible, starting in, in Psalm 2. It says, it says, Today, let us worship God in adoring embrace. Let us celebrate in a graceful awe. This is Psalm 2, verses 11 and 12 in the Message Bible. Kiss the Messiah. When you come to worship, punctuate it with hallelujahs, shouts of hallelujah, give glory. You sons and daughters of God, adore him as kings and priests. That's Psalm 22. And when we have gathered to worship, I've discovered an incredible thing. It just releases in all of us a praise life of joy and hope. There's no other atmosphere I would rather be in than, than in live praise and worship. And you can't duplicate it even on Facebook Live. Uh, there might be a lot of praise bands out there, you know, leading worship, doing this and that. But you can't duplicate the atmosphere of the real thing when you're in that atmosphere. But what a stack, and then he goes on in Psalm 31, what a stack of blessings you have piled up for those who worship you. Bless God, his love is the wonder of the world. And then Psalm 31 at the end says, be brave, 
Be strong. Don't give up no matter what. Love God, all ye saints. God takes care of those who stay close to him. Continue to worship God, Psalm 34, verse 9. Continue to worship God, and if you want his best, worship opens the door to all of his goodness. So when everyone gathers for worship, when God's people turn out in force, it says in Psalm 35, verse 18, I say my hallelujah, I am ready to worship, so ready, I want to say I thank you, God, you are so good. That's Psalm 54, 6 in the Message Bible. And then Psalm 34, verses 8 through 9, it says, Open your mouth and taste. Open your eyes and see how good God is. Blessed are you who run to him. Worship God and you will get his best. Because worship opens the doors to all of his goodness. And I'd like to close with this psalm. This is Psalm 100 in the message. And now as we worship in Psalm 100 in the message, these words are declared to us. Okay, now, on your feet now. I don't know if you can do that. I can't. On your feet now, applaud God. I mean, let's, I mean, I don't know about you. There's times in worship I can't help but clap and, and enjoy His presence and enjoy His love and enjoy His goodness. Bring a gift of laughter. Sing yourself into His presence. Know this, that God is God and God is God. He made us. We didn't make him. We are his people, his well-tended sheep. Enter, enter with the password, thank you. Make yourself at home, talking praise. Thank him, worship him, for God is sheer beauty, all generous in love, loyals always and forever. Amen and amen. And as we move now, I'd like to move, after we leave our focus worship time, I'd like to move to another exhortation that Jesus gave us in Matthew chapter 5 on why we are here on earth at this time. Why are we here? Why are, why are we in this segment? Why are we in this position? What is God doing? I mean, a lot of questions. Let me tell you why you are here from Matthew 5. And this is taken again from the Message Bible. Here are Jesus' words to us. Let me tell you why you are here on planet Earth at this time. Matthew 5, verses 13 through 16, the Message Bible. Let me tell you why you are here. You are here, we are here, I am here, all of us in Christ are here to be salt seasoning. That brings out the God flavors in this earth. If you, use your, if you lose your saltiness, how will people taste God's goodness? You've lost usefulness, you lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. But here's another way to put it, he says. You are here to be light. To bring out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. I mean, it's, how could we, that's why I'm, I'm encouraging you. I mean, Facebook Live posts, start doing Facebook just like I'm doing right here. You can do it. Anybody can do it. We should flood the airways the, the Facebook Live, the, the Twitters, the Instagrams, anything that's available out there, flood it with the good news of God's love for the world today. They need to hear it. They need to know his good news. So God is not a secret to be kept. We are going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. And if I make you light bearers, he says, then you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on the hilltop on a light stand, here's what I want you to do. Shine. 
Shine the love of Jesus. Shine the goodness of God. Share the love of Christ with everybody you meet. And then the final verses in that segment of Matthew 5, 13 through 16 in the message. I love this. This is what it says. Keep open house. Of course, we can't do it now, but be generous with your lives by opening up to others. You will prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Amen and amen. I want to now share with you, let me get a quick swig of uh, H2O here. Here it is. Mm. My mouth got quite dry there in that little bit of time. But I now want to share with you what, what God gave me as the word of God that given to me by the Holy Spirit in study this week. So I've entitled my message today, As He Is, So Are We in This World. As He Is, So Are We in This World. 1 John 4.17 The very first words ever spoken about man in relationship to God define forever the purpose in creating men and women to become the very image of His nature. I love this scripture in Genesis 1.26 in the New King James Version. I love this scripture. He says, Let us make man, God says this, Elohim, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish. You know the whole thing, but I'm just... But he said, let us make man in our image. Just think about... I want you to remember those two words, image and likeness. I mean, this is, for me, a thrilling idea that provides the same beautiful, relentless context for every circumstance and every life lesson known to humankind. We are always lovingly, gently, and joyfully being set up by God. We are so set up by God to find Him and to discover ourselves in Him. It says in Hebrews 13, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of what we're going to through right now, Hebrews 13, 8 says, He remains, Jesus remains the same yesterday, today, and for him forever. And so our image, remember I said those two words, remember those two words in Genesis 1:26, image and likeness. So our image is all about our identity in Christ. According to 2 Corinthians 5:17, the Bible declares that we are a new creation, learning to step away from our old pre-cross carnality as we constantly explore the post-resurrection lifestyle of the new man in Jesus. See, Jesus has already taken the old to the cross and to the grave. It says old things are passed away. All things have become new. I, I don't know about you, but I think all things are becoming new in this season that we're in. I mean, in God's perspective, He only sees us as a resurrected new man in Christ. So there's a divine displacement, if I, if I could say it that way. There's a divine displacement that must occur as God allows our lives to create a habitual relationship with us. I mean, God is all about relationship. And if, if there's anything that I see that lacks in the body of Christ or in the church or in the kingdom, it's, it's relationship. I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't like being isolated. I don't like being, you know, by myself. I like being engaged, engaged with others. And I can't wait till we can get back together and hug one another. I miss everybody. It's strange. It's a strange time. 
but I'm still in the boat and we're crossing over to the other side and I'm following the lead of the Holy Spirit and I'm following the words of Jesus that he wrote to us through the Holy Spirit in the Bible. So as a new creation, we step out of and away from the old and we step into and toward the real you as God made you in Christ. So our new lifestyle is all about living above the line, higher living. And a lot of us would understand living above the line since we, we most of us have done the, the book club uh, with Dan Stone's book, uh, The Other Side of the Gospel. And so higher living is living by the power of the Holy Spirit. Learning the art of being in Christ means seeing and responding to him on a higher level. A higher level is understanding the kingdom rather than just the ordinary level of the world culture and expression. See, our new identity in Christ is much like climbing a staircase. It provides for us a step-by-step of going up into a higher place of relationship with God and with one another. And along the way, fear is overcome, and with it, every negative emotion becomes upgraded to God's image and our new likeness in Christ. Did you notice that I used those two words in that, in that thought? Image and likeness. And so freedom in your new identity will empower you to grow more quickly than you ever thought possible. Why, you ask? It's quite simple. You don't have to work on the old in order to become new. See, in the new you, that Jesus when, he, Jesus, when you're born again, he comes in and he establishes in us a new you. And you will discover the immensity of your freedom in the Lord and your language will grow to express trust, faith, favor, and expectation. Because the currency of your new identity in Christ releases the promises of God towards you in Jesus. See, every place in the Bible where it talks about you in Christ, your new, ide- your new identity, there is a promise and there is a blessing attached to that new identity. Because of being born from above, your story in Christ, in God, your story has already been written by God. And I don't know if you know this or not, but God is an excellent writer. I mean, when I read my Bible, I, I say, God, you're an excellent writer here. You do some awesome things. And so God is at work. Need some more water. Says God told so God told Jeremiah in chapter one, verse five, that that He set him apart before He was born. And then also in Psalm one thirty nine, verse sixteen, David wrote that He said this. David wrote that your eyes, God's eyes, saw your substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they all were written, the days fashioned for you, when as yet were none of them happening on the this side of the earth. So it seems that God has already envisioned your life before you were ever born. And that's why I say all the time when we're together, I say this all the time, your life is God's plan. He's already thought about it. He's already ordained it. He's already written it. And it seems that God has has done this. How did God imagine your life to be? What was the image of you he saw? And how could you see yourself that way on earth? Here it comes. In comes the Holy Spirit in you. And he starts opening up the revelation of who you are in Christ. 
of who you were ordained before the foundation of the world. See, God could see your identity clearly, but there was a process of development until you could see yourself from his perspective. And so this journey is not an overnight excursion, but thankfully God is the God of even Isaiah 30, 18, and it says this, And therefore the Lord earnestly waits, expecting and looking and longing to be gracious to you, and therefore he lifts himself up that he may have mercy on you and show his loving kindness to you. That's the Amplified Bible of Isaiah 30, 18. And those words there, loving kindness, that if you were to look those up in the Hebrew, they would come up to the New Covenant. So the New Covenant is contained in the Old, and that's how we get the New Covenant. And that's a great promise. And so isn't it possible that our current circumstances of our lives, though we may be unclear about our future, but that it's exactly the process of development that each of us needs to become who God had always seen us to be. I mean, that's his truth about us. It's, it's becoming, and it's coming into focus more than ever before. I don't know about you. I'm, I'm starting to see myself in a whole different light. I'm not, I'm not at the building anymore. I, I, like, I like the sign that says, the church has left the building. We've gone fishing. <laughs> I think that's a great saying. We've left the building. We're not in the building. We're not attached to the building. But we are still his sons and daughters. We're still believers. We're still a part of the great kingdom of God because he said the kingdom of God is within us. It's not a place. It's not a thing that we do. It's not a do. It's a be. It's who we are in Christ. And so because the truth of God's real nature and the reality of who he sees us to be really has become clearer to me over time and yet there is so much we have yet to comprehend. And believe me, it's good that this process of being upgraded in your identity in Christ holds such immense riches, not just outcome. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 in the New Living Translation, he says, our lives are God's masterpieces. For we are God's masterpieces, it says. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. It's hard to me to sit here and do this. I want to get up and shout and scream and, and run around the, the building. But this is powerful. The way we are known in heaven is his reality. Who we become, who we, who we come from is greater than what we, go, what we come through. See, God deeply enjoys you. He loves you. He deeply enjoys our journey with him as we perceive more clearly the loving, imaginative master creator that he is drawing us. We're his canvas. We're his masterpiece. He is drawing out the beautiful image of us as he sees us until we can see it too. And as his image of us continues to emerge in our hearts and our lives become an evidence of his creative genius, unchanging love, and empowering grace from the beginning of time until now. We were meant to be his masterpieces that would fully reflect who God really is while uniquely expressing who he created us to be. We are a labor of love that people find themselves drawn to and ask, who is this? master artist. You don't think people see the change in you? I believe they do. I believe there's a lot of people 
who still have not accepted Christ, who are living around us and who see us and are saying, wow, who is the master artist that is bringing so much change about in, in, in Mike or Angie or Myron or Don or Kim? See, as, as, and, and he does have an, an image of me like that. God imagined our lives before time ever was. He sees us from a heaven-based vantage point that is timeless, elevated, and glorious in Christ. The God of eternity is not dashing around heaven wondering what he's going to do now based on our most recent crisis. When we embrace his timelessness, we can let go of perceiving our lives only through the lens of the here and now, and we gain the perspective of living in our present-based life on his promises for the future. You remember from a couple of weeks ago and even last week, how many promises can you find in your Bible? 7,700. That blows fuses in my head. Jeremiah 29, 11, Jesus said these words to us. He says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you. The thoughts towards me, towards you. He says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. So God has already written the story of our lives. So he is never gripped about a current chapter. However, he is intent on using every circumstance for our process of development so that we will grow into the fullness of our identity in Christ. And so by understanding that everything in our lives can be an opportunity to become more like the image of God that already that God already sees in us as we begin to build a progress. Remember I said in the beginning, a progressive stairway of truth. We're moving up into a higher level of understanding and a relationship, a deeper relationship with God. It's progressive that aligns us with his elevated perspective. It's a glorious day. And we may well revisit previous areas of development, but it will always be at the higher and higher place each time. And from this viewpoint, God continues to become bigger, and our ground-level circumstances, what we're going through today, continue to get smaller as we ascend in His peace and His joy and His security of His unchanging love. See, no matter what, our current life may appear to be like the back of a beautiful embroidered tapestry. The knots and the loose threads are not what God focuses on. He sees the front piece of our lives, the artistic, finished image of who we really are, woven through Christ in us, our hope of glory. Timeless, elevated, glorious, Christ in us, our hope of glory. That's how the Master sees us. See, in the world of photography, I don't. today we have smartphones. I mean, I wish I had a smartphone when I was growing up. But in the world of photography, much about what God does for us to realize who we are in Christ can explain a lot of unanswered questions in our lives. Again, let me remind you that God only deals in his original design for us all. Your story was written from the beginning. In fact, before the foundation of the world, we are God's masterpiece. We have been born from above, born anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do good things he planned for us all along. 
The word masterpiece in Ephesians 2.10, the New Living Translation, this word masterpiece can also be translated workmanship, the work of a greatly skilled craftsman. But in the old days of photography, each image had to be crafted by hand. Every printing process was different based on temperature, chemicals, and special requirements of the negative. In the middle of the process, everything looked like a mess. And the image was very difficult to discern. But a master photographer never considers those things because he knows that they are simply the steps, the steps to the outcome of the image, our identity in Christ, that he already sees in you. See, the dark room times in life, our present day realities that we are living in now, are, are not trying to be difficult because when we know the true nature of our Heavenly Father, who's in charge of our process, we can be at rest knowing that He can be trusted. And so when our present circumstances don't make sense, or our progress seems to be taking too long, God can be someone for us now that He couldn't be at any other time. This time that we are in, is the perfect time to see a new aspect of his, true, of, of his true self that begins to reveal a more accurate image of who we really are too. And so during these times, he smiles as our full weight rests in his hands in that place of peace. We are allowing him to create us anew in Christ. God is not renovating your old man that died, but he is revealing the new life that already lives in you in Christ. Colossians chapter 3, verse 3 in the Amplified says this, For as far as this world is concerned, guess what, church? You can, you can couple this with Galatians 2.20. You have died, and your new real life is hidden with Christ in God. See, our real lives are already hidden with Christ in God. It simply needs a process of development, up the steps, up the staircase, for us and others to see clearly. So these days of uncertainty can literally be days of deep renewal where we know that the revelation that God deposits will come into light in due time. And as for now, we soak in the majesty of His grace, the, the assurance of His peace, the depths of his joy that brings strength until it's time, his time, for the next phase or the next stage or the next era of the image he sees to be revealed in us. See, I mean, how many great conferences have we gone to over the years? I mean, we've, we have been genuinely touched, but months later we remain unchanged because our breakthrough lacked follow-through. The sessions may have led to a mountaintop experience, excited, but that is not how God designed us to live. Identity often has one of the wildest chasms of truth between how we see ourselves and how God sees us. There are places where we need to unlearn lessons from our history and exchange them for seeing the life God had always envisioned. I see that in some of you. When we have our Zoom Bible studies on Thursdays, I see the change in some of you that God is doing during this period. It's awesome what God is doing. I mean, there are occasions that the Holy Spirit 
looks forward to because he loves his position. Who is the Holy Spirit? He's our brilliant teacher. He's our brilliant helper. And he's our brilliant comforter. And so discovering who God is is a progressive experience with God, not as assignment to be completed, but allowing his image of you to develop at the pace of the Holy Spirit's choosing. And we all develop different. We all develop different. But embrace this aspect of yourself that are unique to you and reveal to, to revel, to literally revel in the joy that no two true masterpieces are alike. I'm not, you can't compare me with anybody. I can't compare you with anybody because no two true masterpieces are alike. It's like when comparing, comparing Van Gogh's paintings with Rembrandt and say one is better than the other, but they are both equally priceless, totally distinct, and absolutely beautiful. Always remember, there is no one like you on the planet. And it's a thought that makes God smile. The true you. Start each day by agreeing with who God says you are according to what was written in your Bible, God's love, le God's love letter from heaven to you. Let me give you some thoughts on this. You could constantly, every morning you can get up and say this. You can agree with God and say this about yourself. I am a son and daughter of God, a son or a daughter of God. And you could find that in Romans 8.16. You could say, I am at peace with God. Where would you get that? Romans 5.1. You could declare, I am precious to God. Isaiah 43.3. Remember, there's over 7,700 promises in, in, your, in your Bible. My question is, do we have enough time to discover all of them before we have to get back to real life, normal, busy life where we can't even, you know, we, we can't even sometimes even brush our teeth in the morning. We've got to run out the door. We, we're late. We get up. We're running. We're trying. I mean, I watch people driving to work. Ladies, I love ladies. But when they're driving to work, they're, you know, they got their mirror down. They got the mirror open. They got their stuff out. And they're, you know, doing all their stuff because they're in such a hurry to get to work. And they're late. And, you know, they have the kids and everybody's on the, you know, this is all of a sudden everything stops. Everything stops and we get the time to spend with God, to hear his voice, to read our Bibles and to see all the promises. That, I mean, this promise, I love this promise in Colossians 1.14. I am forgiven. You know, you could take that into Hebrews and you can see Hebrews said that we are forgiven once for all, past, present, and future. I am a partaker taker of God's divine nature, Second Peter 1.3. I am more than a conqueror in Christ, Romans 8.37. I am loved unconditionally by God, 1 John 4.10. I mean, just if any of these grab or hit you, write them down. I am accepted into beloved, Ephesians 1.6. I have been chosen by God. John 15.16, one of my favorite scriptures, Brian, John 15.16. I did not choose God, but he chose me. I mean, this is powerful. This is powerful. I am a joint heir with Jesus. I am washed, I am washed and cleaned by Christ's blood. I am God's kingdom ambassador, 2 Corinthians 5.20. I am the righteousness of God, 2 Corinthians 5.21. I am the light of the world. That's who you are. You're the light of the world. And God didn't set you and put a bucket over your head. He wants you to shine. He wants you to shine because you have something to give that nobody on this earth can give. I am the light. I am born again with an incorruptible seed. 
First Peter 1.23, I am God's workmanship, his masterpiece. I am sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. I am blessed with every spiritual blessing. I am God's new creation. And these, I give you all the scriptures. And then I am a minister. We are ministers, each one of us, you, me, everyone, not because of a calling or anything. We are all ministers of the new covenant, 2 Corinthians 3, 6. And I am complete. You are complete and qualified in Christ. Colossians 2.10. If you're struggling with your qualifications, just memorize Colossians 2.10 and every day declare it and agree with God what he says about you. And then Colossians 1.22. This is a tough one for a lot of people to say, but it's true. It says it. It says it in your Bible. I am holy, without blame, free from accusation in his sight. So take some time to meditate daily on these verses until they become a true part of the real you in Christ. Look at them over and over and receive them with all of your heart. Say them aloud. Say them to yourself. Have faith in who God says you are instead of who everyone else, even or your past mistakes, say you are. And finally, cultivate a grateful attitude. Molly, thank you for posting that on our Facebook page there. Uh, finally, cultivate a grateful attitude for the new identity God has given you in Christ. And see yourself through his heart for you and declare and decree who you are in Christ every single day. And my final thought for today's message is this. See yourself as God sees you, because God's perspective is the truthful perspective that not only sets us free, but empowers us for living life loved for all of eternity. Amen and amen. Amen. And so that's my teaching for today. But at this time, we're going to go to communion. So if you have communion elements, water is good. If you don't have juice, water will work. Crackers work, nuts work, potato chips will work. So anything you have, we're going to go into a time of communion right now, which is what I like to, I like to, to when I go to communion, I like to look at it as my covenant meal with God. Whenever I, and we, we try to take communion every day, my wife and I, and I just would encourage you to do the same thing at this, during this time. It's just a time of relationship with God. It's covenant, a covenant meal. And so it's important. Jennifer, I miss your bread, but this is all I got is this. This is the cracker. So until we get back to normal, <laughs> this is all we have. But you can use chips. You can use uh, water. You can use a nut, an almond nut preferred, preferably. But if you have any kind of nut, it'll work. But um, the bread of his presence, show bread. His table, the communion table, it's a place for our healing and it's a place for our strength. And I can't say it enough. I can't take it enough. I can't be in his presence enough because I know that everything is good in his presence. Amen? Amen. Let's, let's take our bread. And this is the bread of promise. So every time, I just think about the promise and uh, one of my favorite promises is in Hebrews chapter 13 where Jesus says to us that he will never leave us, nor will he ever forsake us. 
Jesus said, I will never, 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 never leave you, and I will never, never, never forsake you. He also said that he will, he will, meet, he will supply all your needs. Philippians 4.19 He will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. These are incredible promises that we get in this new covenant. And we, we know this is the new covenant because we are participating from it in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 26. For it says, I've received from the Lord, which I also delivered to you, that Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. He took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember him together. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Open your mouth wide and taste and see that the Lord is good. Mm-mm-mm-mm. He will supply all our needs, Brian. Amen. I agree with you, Brian. God is good. We got the bread of His presence. We got His glory. He's so good to us. He will bless you every day. All you have to do is stop. Don't run. Just stop. Let Him bless you. (laughs) His blessings are following you every day. In the same manner, He also took the cup after supper. Jesus said these words to us. He said, this cup, he said, is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Let's drink together. Now that's now when you watch the movie, what about Bob? This is where you go, mm, 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 mm. When he was asked by the wife, how was the food? That's all he said. Every time I get done with communion, that's all I say. Mm, 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 mm. Taste and see. Taste and see that the Lord is good. He's a good God. He has nothing but good things for us, good blessings. And we have been created in his image, Genesis 1.26, in his image and in his likeness. And that's who we are, his image and his likeness on this earth. Amen. Amen. I'd like to just close with some thoughts in prayer. As our world, listen, as our world tries to contain what is probably, I believe, one of the greatest global crises, and I, if, you re, if you can get back to my beginning of my teaching when I talked about Matthew 4, 35 through 41, and, and the definition of crisis, which is taken from the Hebrew mabar, which means a birthing stool, that God is birthing the church into something new, a new era. <clears throat> but this global crisis of our lifetime, the question remains, how do we, as Christ followers, prepare and respond to this reality. Let me give you some very, I mean, practical things. I mean, because a lot of people right now around us, uh, they're watching the media, there's anxiety, there's worry, there's panic, 
that's being unleashed by the, this virus crisis, and now, and now they're calling it, and we know that they've called it a global, a global pandemic. But we need to, as God's children in Christ, we need to remain prayerful, and we need to remain practical, and we need to proclaim Christ's peace into the atmosphere of to the atmosphere of fear, peace over fear, faith over fear. And it's wise we do all we can to protect ourselves and other people against this outbreak, but at the same time, not to allow, our, allow any anxiety to find opportunity in our lives. Allow God's word to keep you safe. And based on all the promises that, that he says will, second, like Second Timothy 1.7 is a promise. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. See, our posture as believers is to be led by the Holy Spirit. Keep the faith and do not fear. And simultaneously, we want to be wise. And we want to engage with a sound mind. Do what is responsible. And you can have peace in your heart knowing your future is safe in God's hands. Because, I don't know if you realize this or not, God is bigger than coronavirus. And as we watch the world react to this crisis itself, a stark reminder of our mortality, don't neglect the opportunity to share the hope we have in Jesus. 1 Peter 3.15 declares, Always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. So we know our hope is found in our eternal union with the very source of life, Jesus. We have a hope filled with expectation of the future, which we embrace with humility and courage. And so now it's time that we pray together. Let's take some, a few minutes here and pray together. Because we know that God can change our reality right now. Father, you are the eternal author of life. And we are thankful for knowing you and being loved by you. Lord, we, <clears throat> we are aware of and grateful for your presence in the midst of these uncertain times. And you are and have always been our refuge in times of crisis. We call upon you today in this time of trouble. And we pray that you would bring deliverance to anybody who needs deliverance, freedom to anybody who needs freedom, healing to anybody who needs healing, encouragement to those who need to be encouraged, exhortation to those who need to be exhorted, comfort to those who need to be comforted, Lord. We pray today as we call on you, Lord. We pray for those, Lord, those people in places of nursing homes and places where they feel so alone, Lord, we just ask, Lord, that you would comfort them and give them peace and give them courage and give them hope. And we pray and we intercede for those who are suffering in so many ways today. And, Lord, we pray comfort to those who are grieving, who need to be quarantined, feeling lonely, who can't even touch or hug anyone at this time. May they become aware of your embrace and love wherever they may be. And, Lord, we pray for wisdom and still more wisdom and insight for, med for the medical field and the researchers, strength to all nurses and those serving in other extreme areas of, of, of frontline ministries and responders. And we pray for courage and compassion for every church, for all the kingdom ministries, home churches, all churches, underground churches, 
churches in China, people in China. I mean, there's Christians, there's over so, there's so many, 30 million underground Christians in China. We pray for courage and compassion for the churches to shine your light at this time. We pray for all who would panic, who are overwhelmed with fear. We pray for peace to reign at this time. And Lord, we pray that all who have great material damage or loss may turn to you and trust you to be their provision in the midst of crisis. When we don't know what to do, we can turn to you. And may this moment in history, where uh, may this be a moment in history where many will turn just, and we don't even know. They might just be doing it in the privacy of their own homes, crying out to God. Because you said in Acts 4.12, there's no other name given under heaven where men can be saved. Let them cry out, Lord. Let them say, Jesus, come into my heart. Take me, help me, Lord. I need your help. Cry out. Just like soldiers do in, a, in, in, in a, an emergency place on, on the battlefield. And so, Lord, we petition your grace to come to our aid that we may experience your healing power. Allow us, Lord, to be your hands and feet to manifest hope and goodness and love. Fill our hearts with your compassion, with humility and courage. And we pray that this pandemic will subside and that we can all return to normality, thankful for health and life as a gift from your hand. Lord, may your glory be manifested. In our human history, in your name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'd like to share just some quick thoughts before I have to close. We only have six, six minutes left, and uh, our hour will be up. But uh, let me just say some quick things, just, uh, just, just little keys here. Continue to feed on God's Word. Feed on the Word. Not, not just not read it, feed on it. Let it become something that is very, you know, very powerful in your life. And when you, you find a scripture you like, highlight it or memorize it. Do something with it. Just continue to do that. I mean, and also have a, have a posture during this time. Don't be anxious for anything, but by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known unto God. Get into God's rest. And don't pray from stress. Pray from a rest mindset, a, a, a rest posture. And have a confident expectation of God. Confident expectation of God. God is at work. And take communion daily. Let me give you a promise here. We've got five minutes left, so let me give you a promise here from Johnny Enloe's. I told some of you about this book. I posted it. Johnny Enloe just wrote a book just a couple of days ago, maybe a week ago, called The End of the World as We Know It, A Prophetic Word for Entering into a New Era. It's only 100 pages. You can buy it on Amazon Kindle for $6.64. It will encourage you. You can buy it on paper through Amazon for $6.69. I've got Kindle, but I'm getting paper. Because when I find a good book that I like, I want the paper in my hand so I can, so I can underline it and mark it. And, and as, the, as I read those kind of things, God continues to feed things into me. But here's what Johnny Enloe says at the end of his book. He says, we are moving into a new era. And as we move forward in the midst of the current storm, I'd like to encourage you to remember these five important truths. The good things that God spoke to us about 2020, in the beginning of the year, he is still saying, this is not the end of the world 
only the end that allows for the beginning of a new era of promise. And that's truly the end for multiple generations of evil in high places as they collide with unprecedented justice. And number four, he says, final end time scenarios are not for our lifetime. So hope, dream, plan, and act accordingly. Think a hundred years and stop listening to any voice that instills fear or removes hope. Endless possibilities should be our new mantra, our new words that we proclaim. And finally, he says this, and these are powerful words. He says, new technologies are about to abound. New energy forms that eventually and maybe sooner than later give us all free energy are about to be seen. Many cures for diseases that have been suppressed will soon be released into society. He says, I believe both cancer and AIDS have, re- have already have cures presently on earth that will finally be brought to the light of day. True kingdom projects have been sabotaged for years, are about to be fully funded. Abundance, abundance for reformation of society is next. Children born in 2020 are going to be wired for tops of the mountains. They will be part of the Justice League of Influence, bringing the light of Jesus and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to everything in our nation. We are first being rescued, and then we are being propelled. The future is not only better than you think, it's better than you can imagine. Let me just say that again. The future is not only better than you think, It's better than you can imagine. And that goes for Mason, and then Brianna's bringing a little child into the world really soon. God is on the move, and God is doing something. He's behind the scenes working, but he's doing something. And I'm so blessed and honored to be here today, to be able to share my heart, what the Holy Spirit's putting on my heart to you. And I pray that you get something from what I had to say today that will just hold you in the boat with Jesus. Remember Mark 4, 35 through 41. Just stay in the boat. Don't jump ship. Stay in the boat with Jesus. And he'll, he'll secure it, and he'll get us to the other side. And that's what he told us to do. We're crossing over to the other side. God bless. Have a great day, and thank you.